So today we're thinking about Paul's third missionary journey. In the book of Acts, this journey begins in verse 23 of chapter 18 and continues through to the middle of chapter 21. The reading we read was just a small part of it. Well, I say small, in those 16 verses alone, more than 1,500 miles of travelling take place all around the Mediterranean by rudimentary sailboat and hard walking. Let me try and trace this out for you on a map. Paul left Antioch and travelled through the churches that he ministered at to reach Ephesus. And in Ephesus, he was teaching publicly when a riot broke out in response to what he was saying. After this, he travelled north uh, through Asia and then crossed the Mediterranean into Europe to visit the churches that he began on his second missionary journey. From there, he travelled all the way down through Greece uh, before making a short trip over to Corinth. After a three-month stay there caused by the winter, he then set out on his return. From Corinth, he went back north through Greece and on through Macedonia. Then he crossed back over the Med to Troas and hopped across the islands down the Asian coast to eventually land where our reading ended in Miletus. Now that was actually only a short pause in the journey. From there he headed on much further, all the way back by sea to Jerusalem. But I'm sure that's enough for now. We're exhausted just thinking about all of that travelling, aren't we? But mentioning the distances involved is only half the story. Everywhere Paul went, he was working, teaching and preaching, encouraging and writing. Along the way, he had to face deadly plots against his life. He had to make difficult decisions about which way to go next. And he had great tragedies to deal with, including the death of Eutychus. It really is difficult for us to get our heads around what an undertaking this all was. It must have been physically, mentally, emotionally draining. What a feat of human endurance. And remember, it was human endurance. Paul was an ordinary human, just like you and me. And as I was thinking about Paul's journey this week, tracing it across a map and examining all the events involved, it got me thinking about the journey that we are all on. For we're all on a journey, aren't we? The journey of life. And the journey of life is also a long and winding road. And of course, there are moments of great joy and celebration, but upon it, we also encounter many obstacles and challenges. There are junctions where we have to decide which way to turn. There are dangerous temptations that seek to lure us off course. There is sadness to contend with through suffering and illness and bereavement. There are times where we get stressed and worn down. At times we want to give up on this journey altogether. All of our journeys are different. I wonder where you are on yours right now. I wonder what it is that you are having to contend with at this moment. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus urged us to keep walking the narrow road of faith, come what may. 
But how do we do that? How do we sustain our walk with Jesus for such long distances? How do we keep going when everything within us wants to give up? How do we ensure that we make it to the end of life in the best shape possible and having truly lived on the way? Well, in this reading, we get a few hints. By looking at the ways that Paul sustained himself on his epic tour, we can learn a few habits that will help us as well. And there are five that I very briefly want to highlight this morning. The first is this. As we journey through life, we must try and keep a sense of purpose. Nowhere in our reading is Paul just aimlessly wandering about. He is not lost and he is not on holiday. He knows what his role is. He knows what job he must do. In Macedonia, he spent time encouraging the new Christians. In Greece, where he wintered for three months, he wrote Romans, his greatest letter perhaps. In Troas, he taught the gospel, working hard late into the night. And as we know from his letters, everywhere he went on this journey, he was gathering an offering to take back to the church in Jerusalem. An offering that would help the poor there and also bring Jew and Gentile together. Journeys are made possible when we know the reason why we are making them. Even long and difficult ones become worthwhile when we know their purpose. So I wonder how clear are we on the purpose of our lives? Now it may surprise you to hear this, but work is actually a very good thing. When God made Adam and Eve before the fall, he made them to work. To work the ground, to look after what he had made. And God still has tasks for each and every one of us, even those of us who are retired. Doing nothing, having no role to play, is actually bad for us. It leaves us aimless and deflated. And as Christians, we speak of this in terms of calling. I wonder what it is that God is calling us to do on our journey at this time. Maybe it's to be the best parent or grandparent, aunt or uncle, sister or brother that we can be, supporting our family, nurturing them in the faith. Perhaps it's to be the best husband or wife that we can be, supporting our loved one, praying for them every day, encouraging them towards God. Maybe it's to be God's representative in our workplace, whether we're a teacher or a doctor a B&B owner or a distillery tour guide. Maybe it's to be God's representative in our social club, allowing our conversations to be a witness to Jesus. It's not just ministers that have a calling. We all do. And if you're not sure what yours is, pray about it. Ask another Christian that you trust. Allow your eyes to be open to the skills and the talents that God has given you and the opportunities that lay in front of you to use them. I hope we get the point. As Christians, we have a purpose to love God and to serve him with our lives, to look after our world, to bless our neighbours, to share the gospel wherever we have the chance. Paul lived with this purpose all of his days, and it kept him going. 
It meant that every new day that came was packed with potential. Every destination had opportunity. And we too can live in the same way. If we're struggling on our journey right now, let's stop for a moment and seek again what our purpose is. For it will really help to motivate us going forwards. The second tip that we find in this reading on how to keep going on our journey is to live our life in fellowship with others. In verse 4, we read the names of those people who accompanied Paul on the road. We know practically nothing about Sopater and Aristarchus and Secondus and Gaius and Tychicus and Trophimus, but their names are recorded in Scripture at this point because they did something significant. They kept Paul company. These men would have laughed with Paul and cried with Paul. They would have prayed with him and prayed for him. They would have encouraged him. They would have shared his load and joined in the work. They would have eaten together and slept together. When on a long, hard journey, loneliness is a killer. Nothing demoralizes someone or brings them to a halt quicker than a sense of being isolated and vulnerable. I've told you this story before, but a few years ago, uh, Emily and I and my mum and dad, we set out for Soldier's Rock. And the path there was great, a clear track all the way. The path back was not. It was a scramble through all the heather and the bog, jumping streams, ducking branches. It was a bit of a slog. But as a family, we helped each other. We gave each other a hand up on the difficult steps. Those who were stronger carried the bags. We laughed and joked and kept up morale. We waited for each other to catch up so we could get to the car together. And I'm pretty sure that Emily won't mind me telling you that she would never have got back from that trip without a bit of encouragement. But now she has, and she's seen the beautiful soldier's rock. This is how fellowship works. As Christians, we get alongside one another and we encourage each other on our journey through life. We pray for each other, we comfort, we listen, we advise, we offer practical assistance where we can. We send the odd encouragement by email or text or phone. If we're struggling on our journey right now, we should seek out other Christians in the church. Ask for help. Seek friendship and family. It really will keep us going. And the rest of us who may be in a good point in our life, we should be seeking to offer this to others. The third tip that we get for sustaining the journey of faith is to worship regularly. In verse 7, we read of Paul and his companions meeting on the first day of the week to break bread. By breaking bread, they remembered Christ's death on the cross. The love of God demonstrated in full as he won our forgiveness. By meeting on a Sunday, the first day of the week, they are remembering resurrection. Sunday worship is about declaring that Jesus is King of Kings, the victor over death, and nothing can now stand in his way. That's why we're here every Sunday singing about the risen Lord Jesus. And regular worship like this is important. It places us in the gospel story. It reminds us who God is and why he can be trusted. It reminds us of his calling on our life to serve him in the world. It is a place of refreshment and empowerment as God's spirit moves among us as we gather. It's a place of healing and comfort. 
as we are prayed for. Regular worship is vital to maintain a long journey of faith. If you think of life like a long motorway journey, see the church services at the service stations on the way. We refuel, we rest, we get ready to go again. Now I know I'm preaching to the converted here because you're all in church this morning. But we all know that when life gets hard, church attendance is one of the first things that we're tempted to give up. But it should be the opposite. When we're struggling in life, we make more space for worship. Because as we make the effort to praise God as he is due, he goes to work on us. And Paul knew that. And that's why he deliberately delays his journey so he can spend the first day of the week encouraging the believers in worship at trance. The fourth tip for sustaining journey is prayer. Prayer forms the channel for God to pour in all that we need for the steps ahead. And for that reason, prayer should be regular. It should be part of a daily discipline as well as those spontaneous moments of conversation with God. But in this reading, the prayer comes in the aftermath of a tragedy. The falling of the sleepy Eutychus out of the window and down three stories is a warning to all preachers like me not to drone on for too long. (coughs) But it was no joke at the time, was it? And we've seen evidence of Paul's heart before, and here we see it again. He's desperate at the thought of a man having died listening to him. And he charges down the stairs and he throws himself on the young man, wrapping his arms around him. Now Luke doesn't record any of the words of Paul's prayer. He doesn't need to. The actions themselves are this heart-rending cry to the Lord. Sometimes in scripture, people lay hands on people when they pray as a sign of their earnestness for God to act. Well here, Paul lays his whole body his heart and his soul onto Eutychus, pleading with God to restore his life. And of course, miraculously, that is what happens. This is the eighth and final account of someone being raised to life in the Bible. And it's a reminder again that our God is the God of resurrection. He holds the power over death. Nothing can defeat him. As we journey through life, Tragedies will happen. There will be bereavement and illness and unemployment and financial worry and accidents of all kinds. We are to be people of prayer. So that when those moments come, prayer is our instinctive response. When we are weak, when we are powerless, we turn to the Lord and allow him to step in for us. And by his mercy, he promises to provide all that we need to get us on track and to keep us going forward in our journey of faith. Now the final tip from this reading may come as a bit of a surprise to us. We're so used to thinking of Paul as this great man of action. We imagine him getting up every morning and plunging into his work with all his zeal and determination well beyond our own. But the final verses give a little bit of perspective to this. Paul's companions set sail around the coast from Troas to Assos. But when they arrive, they have to wait. Why? Well, verse 13 tells us that Paul had decided to walk the route 
instead. Now that is a 20 mile, probably seven hour or so journey on his own. Now in verse 16, we read that Paul was in a hurry. He wanted to get to Jerusalem and hand over this offering that he was gathering to the church at Pentecost. But despite the clock ticking onwards, Paul slows everything down for a day off. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what he did in those seven or hours or so, but I imagine him drinking in the surroundings, listening to the birds, gazing out to sea. I imagine him reflecting on all the things that had happened and focusing on what was to come. I imagine him using the solitude for prayer and for praise, quality time alone with God. Why else would he have walked when he could have sailed much quicker? I think this is Paul on a spiritual retreat. And like several commentators that I read this week, I'm sure this did Paul a lot of good. When we're busy, we can be lured into thinking that there's no time for rest. No time for a day off. No time to pause or think. So we hurry on and we get more and more tired in body and mind and spirit. And I'm terrible at this. I often work on my day off. But sometimes it's in stopping. It's in retreating from the busyness. Retreating into God that enables us to be most effective. We recharge, we think, and then we start getting through things quicker and more efficiently as a result. I said earlier that work is a good thing, and it is. It gives us purpose. But God didn't make us to be slaves. He wants us to enjoy him and to enjoy his world. And sometimes we have to stop and get away from it all to reconnect with God and do just that. And I know I benefited from doing a bit of that this last week. So if you're struggling in your journey at the moment, ask yourself, when was the last time I took a proper break? When was the last time I had some alone time? When was the last time I actually reflected on things and took time to connect with God and to pray? When was the last time I read a good book that inspired me in my faith? Maybe a retreat with God, even if it's just for a few hours on a weekend afternoon, is exactly what we need. So there we finish. We've traced Paul's exhausting journey around the Mediterranean and back again. And we've compared it to the journey that we are on in life. For all of us to keep the faith and finish well, we need to make sure there are some things in place. And we've discovered that Paul had a sense of purpose, the fellowship of companions, time of worship every Sunday, an active prayer life, and the wisdom to slow down and retreat when necessary. I need to learn from this. And I commend these five tips to us all. Let's give them a go and see what difference they can make to our journey in the weeks and months ahead. But one thing is for certain, as we said with the children, God will be with us, whatever comes our way, and he promises to give us the strength that we need.